You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org. How are you? Good. Excellent. Nice to see you. Um, So I've brought my ironing. And um, we're talking about uh, character today. So uh, I just need to plug this in. It's really funny. I wrote on, uh, I put on Facebook that I was speaking and um, at church today, and a whole bunch of people said, "Oh, I said I was bringing my ironing board," and a lot of people said, "Brilliant! I'll bring my shirts for you to do." You know, after it being International Women's Day during the week, I was like, mm. "Anyway, so ironing. Uh, just, just uh, if you like the person you're sat next to, you can talk to them." Um, who is, I'm guessing that most of us in here know how to iron. Steve? Um, <laughs> just with the person next to you, who taught you to iron? Okay. Um, my guess, my guess is that for many of you, am I right, it was your, it was your mum that taught you to iron. And do you remember, like, my mum, when I was little, I am actually ironing my shirt here, honestly. Um, uh, When I was little, I used to love it when my mum ironed my clothes because they were like, it was like they were brand new when she'd finished, and it was the best feeling ever. She used to iron our pants. I mean, that is crazy. Like, we don't do that now. I don't do that. Um, But I remember watching her and thinking... That's pretty good what you're doing there. Like, how do you do that? And she'd, she'd have everything folded and you'd see. And it was literally like it was new. And um, as I got a bit older, she'd, like, show me how to do it. And there was a way. Everyone has a different way of ironing, don't they? Like, I've started with the sleeves. Anyone here? Yeah, start with the sleeves. And, uh, like, there's a way of doing it, isn't there? And there's lots of shortcuts, aren't there? Like, sometimes I don't undo the buttons. Anyone? Just leave the buttons. Yeah, yeah. But some of you, I think, are probably quite particular. But my mum taught me to do this stuff. And, um, but it kind of went like this. She'd be like, well, you've got to try it first, haven't you? So give it a go. And then she'd show me how to do one bit. And then she'd show me. And then I'd have a go, and then she'd show me again, and I'd have another go. And uh, then she said, yeah, we'll leave it till next time. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then I'd do a bit more, and um, she'd tell me what I was getting wrong. That was one of the things that she always uh, liked to help me with. She'd say, oh, that, you did that really well, but that bit that you're doing, you need, to, you need to try a bit harder on that corner. Anyway, in the end, when I was about 14, I managed to get a job... <laughs> with some people. I made a fortune out of doing people's ironing. It's fantastic. And do you know what? I can do this without even looking at it. Like I just do it. And when I'm at home, it's a bit of a stress reliever. I don't really love it. Anyone here love ironing? Freak. Uh, <laughs> I iron, yeah, yeah, that's unusual. Um, but I can do this and I can also be thinking about and doing other things. Like, it's just, 
I'm not even having to think about it, to be fair. It's just happening. And that, my friends, is the sermon on character. We're done. No. Um, <laughs> why do I say all that? It's not finished yet, so if anyone does want to come and do that later. Character. Uh, my mum showed me what it should look like. And then she said, so you need to do this. And you need to work a bit harder on that, Jill. And that's not great what you've done there. And every time I did it, it just got easier. And there were these phrases she used to go, she said, stop making excuses. It's not going to do itself, you know, Jill. And um, it's nobody else's job. You wanted that job. You take responsibility for it. Anyone else have a parent who's like, yeah, it's your job to do that stuff. And now I realize that there was a whole load of stuff going on in that that was growing character. Character is a pattern, a way of thinking and behaving that we do through every bit of who we are. It runs right through us. Last year, someone sent me this stick of rock. I don't know if you can see what it says on it. It says, integrity, integrity. The idea that our character is what flows through the whole of who we are. Character can be grown and developed and thankfully changed. Anyone in here ever got annoyed with their partner? today. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, great. Well, not great, but great. Uh, anyone in here who drives? Anyone ever shouted at another driver? Yeah, thank you, Alejandro. Honest, good character trait. Anyone in here, I'm just checking I'm in good company. Anyone in here ever chosen to ignore someone rather than help them? Yeah, like everyone's hands. Look at us. We're so like Jesus here. It's incredible. Anyone ever been that person that, if you're like me, you find that you speak rather than listen? Anyone? Yeah. So the good news is that character can change, <laughs> thankfully. But how do we do that? Well, I've identified there's these three steps, okay? First one is a goal. Second one is the steps that we have to take, the process. And the third thing is repetition. And I just want to explore that with us and think particularly about that bit of um, Romans that we heard from earlier. Goal. Goal. Um, I guess the first thing to, for us to think about is uh, what's the picture on the box? You know when you do a jigsaw? It's really tricky if you get a jigsaw from a charity shop, isn't it? It's just in a plastic bag. <laughs> and it says two pieces missing um, and no picture. When we're talking about our character, it's really important that we, we make sure we have that picture on the box so that we know what it is that we are aiming at. 
Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, said this, in your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. Here's your picture. My mom, she was showing me how to iron. She showed me a pristine version and she said, this is how it looks, Jill. This is what you're aiming for. This is the picture on the box. And our picture and our frame of reference is Jesus. So no pressure. (laughs) And the best way to understand that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, tenderness, faithfulness, and self-control. And in uh, Oasis, across um, our family, our movement, we just adapted the words of those things, and we call them the nine habits, so you'll see that on the questions on the back. The picture on our box is Jesus. And Paul, in that uh, uh, chapter in Romans, what is written, do not conform any longer to the pattern, the schema, the way of this world. There is a different picture for us to aim towards, a different goal. I think that we get the character that we are intentional about. And if we're unintentional, That's our intention. We get the character that we are intentional about. And if we are unintentional, that is our intention. There's that uh, famous poem, isn't there, where the line goes, I I took the uh, two roads, you know, two paths, two roads, two motorways, whichever, two roads in a wood. And I took the one less traveled. I took the one less traveled. The picture on our box is Jesus. It is a road less traveled. It is a different mental model. I've been saying this to some of the people that I work around. We're part of the Rebel Alliance. (laughs) Bit of Star Wars. It's a different model. And if you come to my flat, you'll see this word on my um, uh, light box. It's tender. It's a word I'm trying to develop is my character. It goes against the grain of the way that the world is. I'm part of a rebel alliance. I want to be this, not the way everyone else is. What else? Steps, very quickly. Very quickly, Jill, you won't become good at ironing unless you do it, unless you learn what you are doing well and what you know you need to do differently. Can you imagine if we all lived in a way as if we were exactly what was needed to help heal the world? And that's what we're called to do. And it's all about our brains and our bodies. So Paul comes up with this line, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve 
there's this thing going on with Paul, isn't there, about your mind and your body. It is about our brains and our bodies. Our behavior and the ways we react are based on the patterns that go on in our brains. We create muscle memory the whole time. We create muscle memory. You know that thing that you constantly do? The way you clean your teeth, yeah? Do you do it the same way every time? Have you ever thought, I'm going to do it with the other hand today? No, we don't, do we? We do it the same way the whole time. We create patterns and ways of behaving, and it goes down in a pathway in our brains, a neural pathway. It's the way we always do things. And the more we do them, the more that pattern gets laid down. When you look at brain scans of people like London taxi drivers, the hippocampus part of their brain is enlarged because they've memorized. You know, when they do the knowledge, they know it all. That part of their brain has taken so much in and they go over it and over it. And Anyone got the knowledge here? I could make all this bit up then. That's great. Um, You know, like you're learning those roots the whole time. And when brain scans are done on taxi drivers, that part of their brain is bigger than it is in mine because they know it and I don't. It's gone down actually in muscle memory and in their brain, their brain, that part of their brain is bigger. For us, the behaviors we have create these pathways. And our behavior and our reacting is dependent on those pathways and then new pathways being built. And I think what Paul is saying, even though I don't know that he was a neuroscientist, is this, that we need to practice some new ways to reflect the picture on our box. Why do we shout when we're in the car? Because we haven't intentionally practiced another way. Why do we snap at our partner? Because that's become the pathway, the habit that we have. Why do we cheat? Because we got away with it once, we'll do it again and we'll do it again and that becomes the pathway. Why don't we forgive? Because we've never practiced forgiving, so that's our immediate reaction is to not forgive rather than to forgive. And Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? It's personal. Take responsibility. It's about us. The second thing, disruption. All change and all development comes through disruption. I remember a friend of mine going out running, jogging, slowly. I don't know, it's fast walking when I'm doing it. But anyway, and she said this to me, why do you run with your head down? And I was like, that's so rude. I can't believe you just said that. I was so annoyed with her. She'd watched me running and I'd got my head down. When she spoke to me about it, I was really annoyed. It disrupted me. I was frustrated with her. When I went out running this morning, what do you think I was thinking about? Jill, hold your head up. Hold your head up. You'll find it easier to breathe. (laughs) Disruption is the seed of transformation. And that's true for our character. The next thing, reflection. 
Self-awareness, I believe, is the greatest gift we can give ourselves. I think that it's really good for us to develop the habit of, say more about that. That thing I just did that you called out of me, can you just tell me a bit more about that? Because I need to learn from that. Develop the habit of asking, say more about that. Or in the words of Yoda, in you must go. Go deeper in it. Why did I react in such a way that I was annoyed and embarrassed? Why did I shout at that driver? Why was I frustrated? Why did I react that way? In you must go. Ask. Find out more. Why did you react that way? Paul says this in one of his letters, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Has anyone read this? And you're like, I'm not like, whoa. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I do not want to do, I do. Anyone ever felt like that? What do we do when we're in that phase? Take a deep breath. Anyone here travel by bus? Anyone ever have to wait for a bus? Yeah? I moved recently, well, no, two years ago. <clears throat> I used to travel by train. I knew when, well, I mostly knew when the trains were coming. Now I travel by bus. Do you know what? You never really know when that bus is coming. And I noticed that I was getting really frustrated. <laughs> I've been, well, do they not know who I am? I've got to get to work. This is really annoying. And I could feel my fist, like, anyone else ever get annoyed with waiting? Get a bike, yeah, there is that. <laughs> Trying to develop my character, though. So I'm waiting for this bus, and then it strikes me, how do I want to wait? Is this how I want to wait? Does this look like the picture on the box? Or is there a different way for me to wait? So I started taking deep breaths when I'm waiting. And here's what I've noticed. That my patience has grown. And now I'm more patient with people, not just buses. And I'm more patient with other people when they make mistakes and I make a mistake. And I'm more patient in my friendships. And I'm more pa all because I have to wait for a bus. Because I took Yoda's advice. In you must go. Take a deep breath. Think about it. Next one. Quickly, realization. Have you ever done running? Anyone here? Yeah? Anyone ever seen those, like a, in a sports clinic, where they look at the gate that you're running from and they spot the problem? Realization in a character development is this. It's where you look at what you're doing and you go, there it is. There's the thing that I haven't got right. You call it to mind. There it is. And then the final part is action. Action. We can't just talk about the character of Jesus. The proof is in our relationships. The smallest things and the big things. The proof of our character is in our one-to-ones, not in the performance you see of me today here. The proof is in the way I speak with you when we're outside. 
I learned a lot about this from when my mum was dying and um, she asked to see my dad who had uh, left when I was 11 years old. <clears throat> when my mum was dying, she asked to meet my dad for him to come to the house so that she could forgive him. That's a long time ago. And from that point on, I was like, that's what forgiveness looks like. That's what it looks like. I know what it looks like. I can see what it looks like. I was really good at talking about forgiveness. So good at it. I could tell stories about it. I could illustrate it with great examples from my own family. And then about four years ago, someone really hurt me. And then I had to forgive. And I had to practice it. And it was really different to talking about it. And that's what this part is, character and developing our character and developing our character so that it looks like the picture on the box is not a conversation. It is in practice. It is about the bus and waiting for it. And it's about making these everyday moments our normal everyday reactions. It's learning to do things without even thinking about it. And it impacts everything. And we're not doing any of this because we want to win God's favor. It's not like if I'm really good, then that's really brilliant with God. It's this. That my character and your character is part of the renewal of all things. My character and your character is part of the renewal of all things. I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. Behold, I am making all things new, which is us. And just like everything else that we do as Oasis Church Waterloo, in playing our part to help everything else be as new around us, then the invitation of God is also for our character to be transformed and made new. And just like we do everything else and there's work involved, the same is true with who we are. I have come that you, us, that we might have life and have it in all its fullness. Just look around a moment. These people, we are a gift for one another. We do this together. You are my teacher. You are an invitation to me to develop a life that looks like the picture on the box. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, that says this. Whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. We help each other. 
to know which way to walk in and also what that walk should look like. Turn to the person next to you. What are your questions that you would like to ask? Or if not, we can just all go and have a coffee. Like, it's fine. Go for it. Music on at the back. So just spend a few minutes thinking about what your questions are you'd like to ask Jill. When you've got one, pop your hand up and I'll come and bring you a piece of paper to write it on. Um, so you're not going to be asked to say it out loud. But if you've got a question, pop your hand in the air. We'll get a paper and a pen to you. If there's a few people that could help me do that, that would be great. Um, so yeah, just spend a couple of minutes um, thinking about that question. We don't have long, so make it speedy. Um, and we will give those back to Jill in a moment. So Jill, I've got one here for you that we can start with while we start collating the rest. So a few of you have asked a similar sort of question. So forgive me, I am going to kind of merge these two together so it won't be quite what you've written on the sheet. Um, so I guess the, the question that a few people are sort of asking here is, how is God involved in all of this? Um, how does he help us? Um, and is it possible to be on this road less travelled and this path of resistance, as you called it, without any reference to Jesus? Um, they're sort of similar kinds of things. How does God help us on this? And is it possible to do this with, without Jesus? Yeah, so I guess, um, I guess the question's about willpower, maybe. Um, I, I don't think that you can do this through willpower. I, I just genuinely don't. It's two things. Firstly, I think you need to know, uh, like for me, that the understanding that Jesus is, for me, is the picture on the box. And the second thing is that the ability to do that process of reflection and realization is wrapped and rooted in the knowledge that I need help bigger than me <laughs> to make that journey, to come to terms with who I am and who I want to be. Um, a few weeks ago, I spoke here, didn't I, about uh, going to an AA meeting. Yeah, really interesting at an AA meeting that the language is all about the need for a higher power. It's no different. The need for a higher power, the need for transformation. Part of the transforming, for me, is about the recognition that there is... Uh, there is more to me than just that, oh, if I just try, I know what I'm like. If I just try and do that, I'm powerless. I'm literally powerless to do these things on my own. Because everything in me is an instinct, to be honest, to not forgive. Everything in me is an instinct to take control. Everything in me is an instinct to be um, impatient. But for me, it's like, God, help me. Make me aware of how to be more loving. Make me aware of how to be more patient. And if it, if it needs to be, give me eyes to see the people that are most challenging me with those things. So it's totally about God. Thank you, Jill. Um, this is a, a, yeah, they're all good questions, but this is a good one. Um, so how is do it we, about the bus? It, is it about a bus? No, it's no, not about a no, bus. Um, there are a few about buses. Um, <laughs> so this one is about um, how do we ensure that we've got the picture on the box correct? Um, so 
the, the question is here, how do you, um, what do you do if you continue to hear a distorted view of Jesus? Like how do we ensure that we've got the picture on the box correct and we're actually following Jesus? Uh, community. Belonging to community. Um, being around people who help you learn more about who that Jesus is. That's the gift that we have as church, isn't it? That's the gift we have of being a community together, that we can wrestle with some of those questions. Well, what was, what was Jesus like? It's not just about what we read on our own. It's about what we're learning about who Jesus is when we're together. And it's also about having an honest conversation with each other about uh, how we understand those characteristics of Jesus. I think it's really helpful. In, so in the work that I do for Oasis, um, we, we put a lot of branding stuff out there for the nine habits. So there's celebrations of the nine habits and there's pictures of the nine habits everywhere and people are making films about the nine habits and kids wear badges with the nine habits and they read books which are about the nine habits and all of these things are helping them uh, learn well what does it look like in practice and it's exactly the same for us isn't it we have to talk about what does it look like to be tender and faithful and loving. It takes a conversation between us. We can't work it out on our own. I think that your character is totally dependent on a relationship with one another. Church. So there's a, um, a couple of questions sort of in relation to this. That it's not always easy to have a good understanding of yourself. Not necessarily, you might not fully understand the bits that are good about your character that do represent Jesus, but also you might not understand your blind spots. How do we fully understand ourselves in order to know what we've got to work on? Yeah. Um, Told a story to you guys many times um, about my friend Judith, who pointed out some of my blind spots when I was 19. And um, uh, as I said, I was talking about it on Friday, actually. It's something in Birmingham. Um, we, that, again, is why we need others. We need others. And we need to have the trust and the love with certain people in our lives that they can speak truth to us. Accountability. Um, having, having people who are able to say to us, Jill, when you did that, that was really great. But you need to work on that bit. And that we trust that that person is the best wanting the best for us. He's not out to get us. And that takes time to develop. Uh, There's uh, this relationship between the word word, truth and betrothed. So there's this idea that when we share truth with one another, it's like a betrothal. That when we share truth, we in some way, we often think about, oh yeah, that's marriage. But the relationship between truth and betrothal is this, that when we share truth with one another, we somehow build a greater sense of community and belonging with each other. So if I do stuff that really brasses you off, don't all come at me at once. (laughs) But if you do come and speak to me, say it with love. And my job is to trust that you've got my back. And if you haven't, it's okay. Because the goal on my box is not anyone's approval except to be like Christ. Can you see the... But if you are going to come at me, then 
try and be kind. You know. Any other? Um, so there's one here saying that um, in terms of modelling Jesus, wasn't he fairly a fairly challenging son, friend, and brother? Are you really expecting us to be like that? I suppose. Yes. Great. I think you might say that. <laughs> Do you want to expand? <laughs> um, well, it's like well, my friend hadn't said to me, Jill, when you run, you put your head down. What if she hadn't said that? I'd be like, <gasps> the whole time when I run. And I'd really hate, I mean, I hate it anyway. But, uh, do you know, it's like, actually, it's those little things that help improve our understanding of who we are. And like, oh, yeah, no, that's really helpful, actually. Some of the, the toughest disruptions that we experience, Jesus was a disruptor, wasn't he? He was a disruptor to the powerful he was a disruptor to the religious. He was a disruptor to the people who thought that they were no good or excluded or mar- marginalized. And he knew, I'll speak with love, always love, but it will challenge and it will change and it will help people discover who they are created to be, transformed and renewed. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. So, and um, someone's asked a question here to say, is there a point with our character is kind of so ingrained in, in us and some of these things are really difficult to change. Do you really think it's possible for them to change? Is there, is there a point at which it's too ingrained and actually anything we do won't affect anything? Um, and then sort of, sort of linked to that, Golly, the I question around... How do we kind of understand that Jesus is actually living in us and here right, right now, that this isn't a kind of separate thing, God isn't far away, he is mm. actually living and active and here right now? I think the two might be linked together. Um, I, don't, I, I never think that anything is beyond hope. <laughs> I, I think that, like, I believe in hope. I believe in hope, but I also believe that, I, you say, say this, hope sweats. Like hope isn't like a wishful thinking thing. It's something that we participate in. Um, You hope for inclusion. You hope for justice. It's not like, oh, I hope it happens. It's like an invitation to be involved in it. Um, So I never think that anything's beyond hope. What was the second question? Second part? Um, It was related to kind of thinking that Jesus, you know, what what does it mean for Jesus Jesus to be actually alive and here and kind of actively helping us work it out? So I think, and it kind of picks up on some of the stuff that um, Dan was talking about last week. I believe that God is just present. Like God is present. God is present the whole time. And I think when I'm waiting for the bus and I'm like, oh, God is present and nudging me. God is present and inviting me to, hey, I want you to live well. (laughs) This isn't well. This is going to give you stress. My invitation is patience. So let's use this. (laughs) Like like if I'm alert to God in the whole of everything, the whole of time, then everything becomes a moment for me to enter into God making me new in every moment, however rubbish or joyous that moment can be. Brilliant. Thank you, Jill. There were more questions than we can possibly ask you uh, in the time that we've got, but thank you for sharing.
everything with us. Lots for us to think about um, this morning. If your question wasn't asked um, or I kind of changed it slightly and you actually want your question asked, then do come and talk to Jill um, over coffee and we can explore that further. But let's just take a moment to um, stop and reflect on everything we've heard this moment and to pray um, as we come towards the end of this service. Let's just take a moment of of quiet um, and then I will pray for us. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to give us the example that we need to follow. We know that it is difficult. We, we know what we need to aim for. We, but we pray that you would help to open us up so that we can see those blind spots. We ask that we would hear you clearly, that you would prompt us, put us in situations that challenge us, in order that we can grow to be more like you. We pray that you would help us be accountable to each other. Help us to tell people when they demonstrate the character of Jesus to us. Help us to celebrate that with each other when we see you reflected in those around us. But we also pray that you would help us to nudge each other when we see things that are not the character we want to have. Help us to be brave and bold enough to be open with each other, to help every one of us learn to be more like you. We thank you that you are with us on this journey, that yes, we will make mistakes, but you forgive those and encourage us and ask us just to get ourselves back up and try again. This today, the rest of this week and the months and years ahead, we pray that you would help each one of us become more like you and that we would be able to feel and see that and see ourselves growing. I pray that you would encourage us as individuals and as a whole community to continue to strive to demonstrate your character and your abundant love to all around us. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org.